Chapter 4 The Butter Thief Very soon Balrama and Krishna began to crawl about and they got themselves into more scrapes than any other children. There was never a dull moment for Yashoda. In all her forty-five years she had never run so much. She forgot her normal household duties while watching the boys at play. Krishna would crawl forward very fast and then turn his head and look over his shoulder when he heard the sound of tinkling bells crumbing from his own ankles as if to see who was following him. That inquiring look was irresistible. Up she would jump and run after him and pick him up and kiss him all over his cherubic face. He'd wriggle out of her arms and crawl as fast as he could with bells tinkling and feet twinkling like twin rose petals blown in the wind. Where was he? By the time she caught up with him, he would be with a big mother cow, pulling off her young one with one small hand and drinking milk straight from her udder as he had watched the calf too. Yashoda would scream in terror, for the cow was noted for its vicious nature, and she was already shaking her head in a menacing manner and bringing her huge horns close to the child. Yashoda would stand petrified, not knowing whether to run and pick up the child or whether that would irritate the cow further. But as she stood rooted, this fierce cow would put out its rough tongue and lick the little bottom as affectionately as she licked her own calf. Krishna would turn round and look at his mother as if to say, See, mother, all creatures love me, for I am the soul of all. But poor mother, she would think it was another miracle, and she would snatch him up and tell him never to do such a thing again. So then he would follow her into the kitchen and put his hand into every pot till he came to the one with the butter, eating some and pasting the rest over his face so that the little kittens would come mewing and lick his face with delight. The mother was now in a dilemma, not knowing whether to attend to her household duties or to watch the child. So playful and restless was he that he had to be incessantly guarded from the danger of cows, fire, cats, knives, ponds, thorns and birds. Once he started to toddle, it was even worse. One day Yashoda heard him call her excitedly and she rushed out to see him hanging perilously over the well. Mother, mother, come and see. There's a little boy just like me in the well. Please come and take him out, mother. Yashoda rushed and caught him. Never do that again, she admonished. And ever after that, every time she drew water from the well, she would imagine his face peeping from the water. There was no mischief he was incapable of. The little hands were busy with everything. One moment he would be brandishing the kitchen knife. The next he would try to pluck the hot coals from the fire. So at every moment of the day, Yashoda kept running after him. And for the rest of her life to come, she continued to see his face everywhere. In the coals, in the fire, in the water, near the cow, cutting vegetables or plucking flowers. Thus did he prepare her for the separation to come. This is a lesson to all housewives. It is difficult to fix our minds on a formless God while doing mundane tasks, but how easy to recall the mischievous exploits of that divine child, peeping and laughing at us in and through our most mundane tasks. 
Sometimes some of the other gopis would beg to be allowed to take him to their house for the day, and Yashoda would reluctantly agree, for she could not bear to be parted from him, even for a moment. Once he was taken to a house, he would go uninvited. In fact, he would steal into their houses like a rogue and help himself to their butter, ghee, curd and milk, which was their prized possessions. Such is his kindness that once we invite him into our hearts, he'll come unbidden and steal the butter of our love and bless us with the riches we have never asked for. One day the gobies gathered together and began to speak of Krishna's pranks to his mother. The charges against him were numerous. He comes and releases the calves before milking time. He steals the butter, milk and curd, and after consuming what he wants, he distributes it to his playmates, if they are there or else to the kittens and baby monkeys who follow him in the hope of getting something. After he has had his fill, he breaks the pots. If he scolds him, we he laughs at us. What should we do to him? Why don't you give him what he wants? asked the doting mother. After all, he's only a child and he loves these things. Why don't you give him a glass of milk and some butter as soon as he comes? At the end of the month you may present the bill to me and I'll meet it. Oh, but we do give him their chorused. We give him as much as such a small boy can eat. But still he comes to the house unseen and steals more. If we hang up the curd, he makes a hole at the bottom and drinks from below as it drips down. And after he has finished, his friends drink, and the last drops are lapped up by the kittens. Another gopi took up the sad tale. Once I hung the milk pot so high that he couldn't reach it even with a stick. And do you know what he did? He dragged a pounding stone from outside. I don't know how he managed it and then clambered up on it and broke the pot with a stick and opened his little mouth and stood there drinking the milk which was pouring down. Half went into his mouth, some over his body, and the rest onto the floor to the delight of the waiting kittens. Now look at him standing there, the picture of innocence, after having done so much mischief. Krishna was hiding behind his mother and peeping out, his face quivering with pretended fright and his eyes anxiously rounded at hearing these accounts of his misdeeds. He was sucking a worried thumb and peeping anxiously at his mother's face to see how she was taking it. Yashoda's only response was to laugh. She could not bring herself to scold her darling by any means. Never mind, she comforted the gobies. I'll replace your mud pots with golden ones. Thus each of them got a golden pot in lieu of the one he had broken. And this was exactly what he wanted, for he wanted them to enjoy all the luxuries which were there in his own house. But still the complaints grew, so Yashoda started watching her little one very carefully to see when he went and perpetrated these misdeeds. She soon came to the conclusion that he could never have done any of the crimes which were being laid at his door, for the simple reason that he was never out of her sight for more than a few minutes at a time. Is it possible that these gopis are making up these stories in order to get golden pots, she wondered. Just then another gopi came up with a different tale. Just listen to this, mother, she said. You know that I've started being very careful with my things and always keep them locked so that Krishna can't get it. Yesterday he was really angry when he found nothing to steal, 
so he gave a pinch to my little daughter and made her wake up and scream just as he was leaving. Krishna grinned when he heard this, for that child was Radha, who was going to be his beloved playmate in the future, and he was asking her, Why are you wasting time sleeping when you should be concentrating on growing up? What knowledge can you have of happiness which makes you smile now? I'll show you such delights that nothing else can be comparable. So saying, he had pinched her and she had woken up squalling. Yashoda could not believe what the gopi was saying. So she said, Well, next time he does something of the kind, just catch him and bring him to me and I'll punish him. The gopi agreed doubtfully, for she knew him to be a slippery customer. However, with a little luck, she managed to catch him red-handed the next day when he was actually standing with his hands in a pot of butter. She grabbed him by his buttery hands and dragged him to the house. Just as they reached the turning, he said, Look, what's that? She relaxed her hold and turned to look, and poof! His hand slipped out of her buttery grasp, and off he went like a streak of blue light. She panted after him, but he was all quicksilver, and she was all lead. She puffed into his house and found him sitting on the swing on his mother's lap, looking a picture of cherubic innocence. Aha, so this is where you have got to, is it? she asked. Look, Yashoda, I had caught this child red-handed hardly ten minutes ago, stealing butter, and was just dragging him here to show you. And just as we reached the turning, he was off like a shot, and now look at him sitting here, looking as if butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. Yashoda looked at her in astonishment. Now she was sure that the gopi's powers of fabrication were enormous. What are you talking about? she asked. This child has been sitting on my lap, listening to a story for the past one hour. How can he possibly have been with you ten minutes ago? The gopi stared. She should have expected this, she thought resentfully. Naturally, a mother would side with her child. But what a barefaced lie! How could Yashoda make up such a story? The two of them kept silent while Krishna smiled. How God can appear to so many at one and the same time is a mystery to all. At last, seeing the gopi's crestfallen look, Yashoda said kindly, Never mind. Next time when you catch him, be sure you tie him up securely and bring him to me, and I promise to punish him. Happily for the gopi, she was able to test the truth of this promise the very next day. Krishna allowed himself to be caught, for after all she was Radha's mother. Determined to take no chances, she put him inside a big empty chest in a corner and locked it up and pocketed the key. Just you wait there, you little rogue, and think up of some new mischief while I finish my work and take you to your loving mother and then we'll see. After finishing her work, she lugged the heavy chest up the small incline leading to Yashoda's house. Here he is, she panted in triumph. Here's your innocent son. I've caught him and locked him as you suggested. When did you catch him? Yashoda asked curiously. Soon after lunch, she replied. He joined us for lunch and then left very properly by the front door, only to creep back through the back gate and steal butter from the larder.
Mind you, this was not even for himself, for he was too full after the heavy lunch I gave him. I caught him distributing the day's butter, the results of a hard morning's labour, to the cats and the monkeys. Yashoda gasped. Either you are mad or I am, she said. Krishna had his lunch with us today. In fact, he sat between his father and his brother, and he's been playing here ever since. Now open the chest and let's see who is right, you or I. Without hesitation, the gopi went and opened the chest, for she had no doubts as to who was right. Both of them peered into the chest, and lo, staring at them with tear-filled eyes, was the gopi's own daughter. Yashoda had a hearty laugh. Well, well, I never realized your eyesight was so poor. The poor gopi was completely bewildered. How could she grasp the fact that God can appear in all places at the same time, for he is everywhere and ever full? After that, she never dared to go to Yashoda with her complaints, and her devotion and love for Krishna grew day by day, so that her little daughter grew up seeing her great devotion, and from that time onwards gave her heart to him. One day the bigger children, including his brother, Balrama, rushed out to eat the fruits of a tree growing in the compound. Krishna loved those fruits, so he toddled after them, even though nobody had thought of inviting him. But they shooed him off as being too small to climb trees. But he insisted on accompanying them, so they agreed to give him the task of picking up the fruits as they fell. Now mind you, don't eat a single one, they warned knowing his capacity for food. Your job is only to collect the fruits, and we'll come and divide them equally. All right, he said meekly. The big boys, including Balrama, scrambled up and started dropping bunches of lovely ripe purple fruits onto the ground. Krishna started picking them up and gobbling them as fast as he could. He crammed his mouth and his little hands were going up and down like pistons from the ground to his mouth. After some time, one of the boys chanced to look down and discovered what was going on. Hey, stop that nonsense at once, he shouted. Look at Krishna, he shouted to the others. He's eating the fruit instead of collecting it. Stop it, stop it, all of them shouted from the top of the tree. All the little heads popped out from between the branches, shouting angrily at Krishna, who seemed supremely unconscious of the whole affair and continued to cram his mouth. The purpley fluid was oozing down the corner of his mouth, and in his hurry to eat as much as he could, he had not even cleared the fruit, so that quite a bit of mud also found its way into his mouth. The boys came sliding down and shook him hard. What do you think you're doing? they shouted. Krishna did not speak a word, for the simple reason that his mouth is packed with fruit. All right, we'll show you, they cried and ran inside, searching for his mother. Oh, mother, mother, they cried. Your son is eating mud. Yashoda came running to find out what the commotion was all about. Your son is eating mud, they cried, pointing accusingly at Krishna. Have you been eating mud? Yashoda asked anxiously. Krishna shook his head, while two big tears slowly gathered in his eyes and started brimming over. 
but for once he is sure that was not to be put off by the show of innocence. Have you been eating mud? she repeated sternly. Krishna shook his curly head and started sniffling loudly as a prelude to crying. He dared not open his mouth as yet, for he hadn't quite finished swallowing the fruit. Ask him to open his mouth, mother, Baljrama urged. Krishna glared at him as if he couldn't believe that his brother could stoop to such a low trick. Yes, ask him to open his mouth, the rest of the boys chorused. Open your mouth, Krishna, Yashoda said sternly. Krishna turned his limpid gaze on her. Have you forgotten what happened when you looked into my mouth? The last time was the unspoken question. She had indeed forgotten, or probably misunderstood. If so, the time was propitious for another lesson. Or perhaps he thought, if she wanted to see mud, she could have a fill of it. And the Lord, who had become a human child out of sport, without any loss of his divine powers, now opened his rosebud mouth, and she bent forward to peer closer. And, lo, she felt herself to be whirling in space, lost in time. For inside the baby mouth was seen the whole universe of moving and unmoving creation, the earth and its mountains and oceans, the moon and the stars and all the planets and regions. She was wonderstruck to see the land of Raja and the village of Gokula, and she herself standing there with the child Krishna beside her, with a wide-open mouth, and within that mouth another universe, and so on ad infinitum. Oh, God, she thought, am I going mad? Or is this a dream, or the magic wrought by the strange child of mine? Krishna, she cried, clinging to his name like a drowning man to a lifeline. Krishna! It was a despairing cry, for she felt her head to be whirling, and immediately he shut his mouth, and she got back her equilibrium. In a trice she had almost forgotten what she saw. Why have you been eating? She stopped in midair. What a fool she was. This child carried the whole universe within himself, and she was worrying about a few grains of sand. Krishna, oh Krishna, she whispered, snatching up her boy in her arms. Who are you? Who are you? she whispered nuzzling his baby curls with her lips. Before the astonished gaze of a dozen small boys, she carried her darling inside, caressing and murmuring endearments to him. The boys gazed after her in disappointment. You really couldn't tell with adults, they decided. There was no saying how they would react. They had fully expected to enjoy the spectacle of Krishna howling for mercy from an irate mother. And now look at her hugging and kissing him. He whom the Vedantins speak of as Brahman, whom the yogis consider as the Atman, and whom devotees call Bhagavan, that Supreme One was considered by Yashoda to be her own son. Thus ends the fourth chapter of Sri Krishna Leela, named The Butter Thief. Hari Om Tatsat.
Yeah.